0: We are so excited to announce that we have opened the doors to our private membership community, the Symposium. Inside the Symposium, you have access to all of our free and paid content, daily prompts to pull to, live monthly workshops, reading room Zooms, and monthly virtual meetups. We also host monthly challenges and have a lively and engaged community, as well as tarot spread and resource libraries. The Symposium is an incredible community of like-minded folks who value the intersection of tarot, mental health, self-reflection, and personal growth. We're really excited to meet you all inside the symposium. So head over to the tarot and click join the symposium today to become
1: a part of our community. You're listening to the tarot diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this
0: podcast may feel therapeutic, it is
1: not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey Shannon. Hi Luna. So this week I I kind of like this topic because I'm so excited. It feels like there is an ocean of material to discover here. We are talking about the concept of rejection.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I, know, I feel like we've been having some heavy topics lately, and I know you and I had talked like a couple weeks ago, and we were like, yeah, the next one maybe it'll be a little lighter. Um, I guess not because <laughs> I feel like this is still a heavy topic, but that's what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, despite this being a you know a heavier topic, I mean, we we're talking about rejection. I am really excited to talk about it. I think that. You know, it's something that I talk about a lot in my practice. I'm sure you talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's been coming up way more frequently recently. And I think it's something that, um, well, it is, I think something everyone has experienced it and will experience it. So, you know, it's a universal human experience that uh, deserves some,
1: some time to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's fundamental. We all have experienced this. What I think is most interesting, I mean, to me, what I'm interested in going into this episode is how it's, um it's a core feeling that yes, we all know and understand, and how that core feeling shows up in all places in our life. I mean, everything there yeah. is a risk of, or a good possibility at times of rejection. And there's kind of these layers of feeling with it. There's sort of this sensation of rejection. We all know what that means, but rejection from, you know, a, a very competitive job that you're applying to feels mm-hmm. different than the rejection of like a partner or, oh my God, the rejection of your child. No, I want daddy, you know, like, (laughs) Mm. but they all have kind of the same twinge to it. There's sort of different flavors, but they all have that same level (laughs) of what's wrong with me. Please love me. That Mm. just feels so sad. Uh, you yeah you uh you went right right in for sure, it. Why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I appreciate it. I mean what you're I think what you're saying is, you know, the, there's these like core feelings that exist within rejection, which you just described. It's, it's shame, it's confusion, it's grief, it's sadness, it's pain. And I love that you use the word flavor. It kind of lightens it a little bit, but it's true because I mean, there, when you and I were talking about this episode, I was like, you know, there are so many different areas that we experience rejection. I mean, there's actual rejection, uh, perceived rejection, Mm fear of rejection. And then there's, you know, actual rejection with like family, uh, peers, um, academics work, like you mentioned, romantic, sexual. I mean, there's so many different areas that we could experience rejection and will. Um, And there, which I want to get into at some point during the episode, the feeling is similar to something, um, (laughs) that kind of like is consistent across the board when we're talking about, uh, rejection, but you're right. There's maybe different levels of grief or sadness, um, that accompany based on, um, you know, what type of rejection you're experiencing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I like, I like the way you're sort of talking about that word flavor being lightening of it. I, Cause I think that maybe I'm excited about talking about this because I feel like there's, it's a heavy topic, but it feels almost hopeful to me because there's something about normalizing it and saying like, look, we all yes. feel this. It's just mm-hmm. a human thing. It's part of our journey. It's part of our growth. And we're kind of in it together and you can recover from it. You know, like this is something that, there's hope here. We this yes. can get a lot better than that moment of ugh.
0: For sure. I mean, yeah. And so stick around because I feel like we're gonna get into that at some point, maybe later on in the episode where we talk about, okay, now what do we do? That no, yeah. now we've experienced now this rejection. Yeah. So should we go ahead and pull a card to open up the episode? I would love to. All right, cool. What do you What using? deck are you using? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <James>.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I at the last minute decided to go with Golden Art Nouveau. And I almost, Aww. I have another deck on hand, um, but I felt like let's go traditional. How about you?
0: I'm using Tarot Vintage, of course. Yeah, okay. I
1: almost, I almost
0: went with um, Modern Witch and I switched at the last second. I so was like, mm, I know, I don't know what it is. I've just been, this is like, it's, this deck is an extension of me now. And it's, well, we were talking, you know, last night I've been in this kind of like Tarot rut with my personal practice and I feel like, you know, it is time to maybe step outside the comfort zone of Tarot Vintage and maybe explore um, a, a new deck. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe next time we record, I have
1: something new. I kind of have some new deck desires, you know, and it, it's interesting right? that we both did the same thing. I feel like I could talk about that for a second because yeah. what we both did was we, um, like the other deck I was looking at and actually I'm not going to use also is True Heart Intuitive. We both... Mm-hmm. Um, ended up choosing uh, like our traditional deck, like our personal deck, the deck that like we personally like, and it happens to be a traditional deck, but we both had on the sideline, this sort of like other deck and that neither one of these (laughs) decks are, um, are like wild and crazy. Both of these decks are pretty traditional across the board, but I mean, it's interesting that we both wanted to reach for a place of comfort and security when talking about rejection, but to mix it up I decided to pull a card from each deck oh I love it so what did you pull so um from golden art nouveau I pulled very appropriately the lovers oh my god which (laughs) okay that we could just do the whole episode on that and then um from true heart intuitive I pulled eight of discs which I think is an interesting counterpoint how about you
0: that is. Um, so I pulled the world reversed, um, but I have to say it was so funny. So um, <laughs> this hasn't happened in a long time. The card I pulled for myself, just like kind of re- before we even hopped on to start recording, just for, for me personally, in terms of this episode was the lovers. Oh, so right. um, that's exciting. Yeah. We haven't pulled the same card in a while. Um, so what are you
1: thinking with the lovers? I mean, to me, it really speaks to the basic of why rejection hurts. I mean, the lovers, and it's funny that I pulled it from Golden Art Nouveau because it's a super traditional deck with the the imagery of this sort of Adam and Eve being tossed out of the garden. And I think mm-hmm. that it really speaks to the fundamental of being a human is that we want to be accepted and loved by everybody. And yeah. when we aren't, it feels devastating. It feels like we're getting tossed out of the garden and right. Like, I just think it's like such a poetic card for this topic. And the reality of, of life on earth, at least is that, yeah, like we get tossed out of crap all the time, but that doesn't mean that life is over. And that's the relearning that we need to do.
0: I I love how you're talking about the lovers. And I'm just, I'm, I think that's so cool that we both ended up pulling you know the same card because you know for me it was more of a validation of like yeah you know this wanting to avoid rejection is wanting to avoid losing that sense of harmony and belonging mm. and and bond that we share with people and that kind of segues nicely into the world reverse that I pulled because I mean, I'm looking at the world <laughs> reversed as a kind of a, a literal representation of your world being turned upside down when you do experience rejection. I feel like it's a good representation of like the ramifications of it because it's, and it's also in alignment with what you were just talking about, the lovers and really ta- uh, goes to what I say when I'm talking about rejection in session. I, I often share why we experience fear of rejection and why rejection kind of exists and the pain behind it. It's, it's really evolutionary. Um, and so if we look at it from this evolutionary perspective, we were always tribal and communal by nature. We survived in villages. And if we were rejected from whatever group we, group we belong to, then that was a death sentence. And so as Mm -hmm. time went on and as time does go on, um, You know, rejection is something that we fear because from, you know, the beginning, we knew that if we are rejected, then, you know, we can't survive. And then an added layer to that is rejection or the threat of rejection is often used as a way to control people. Um, You know, once you belong to a group, you don't want to be outcasted or ostracized from that group. Um, because it becomes a part of your identity. And having that sense of belonging is so vital to our ability to survive. Um, that we want to do whatever we can to hold on to that. So um, I actually really love the lovers and the world reversed next to each other as describing rejection right now. It's really
1: powerful. It's so powerful. And I think what you're saying is so exactly right that this is um it it's so deep in us. It's so um it doesn't take much to trigger this pain point. And it Mm -hmm. really does feel, I love like how you're taking the world literally. Like it feels like your world got turned upside down or it feels like you live in a world. Like if you have a rejection, like somebody breaks up with you or you get fired really suddenly, that feels like it's like a tower moment. Like everything got turned upside down the alternative way of thinking about this is I always feel like my world is upside down. I've been trying to Mm. date forever and I just can't get any traction or like, Oh my God, we see this with kids. Like I just can't seem to make any friends, you know, or even adults, you know, (laughs) I can't seem to make any friends or this, like I just can't seem to get my career going. And that is a very uncomfortable feeling of walking around feeling, um, as you're talking about sort of being rejected, I can't help but think about sort of like puritanical life and the scarlet letter and this idea of like being actually shunned and having to Mm -hmm. like have like some sort of marker on you. I mean, how many people walk around feeling as though they have a marker on them that says, I'm not allowed here. I'm not good enough. Or somehow everybody knows, like I've had that conversation with people. I don't know how people know, but people know that I'm not good for this tribe or I'm not allowed. And it's such a disturbing way to live.
0: Oh my God. I wonder if that's where you, you also pulled eight eight of pentacles. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's where that card comes in, because it's when when you do experience uh, rejection there, I feel like there are two two or three different ways that you can react to it. You can either become incredibly angry and frustrated and and react that way, or the opposite would be uh, this eight of pentacles where you do whatever you can to work incredibly hard to feel like you are worthy of belonging or to prove um that you um can contribute to a group or to a person or to a partner um so that you aren't rejected
1: and that you are accepted i mean that's exactly what i was thinking that's a, like yeah. and you know i really particularly like the way this eight of it's eight of disks and um in true heart uh intuitive i i really like the image it's super beautiful there's this tree and there's this um Figure who is painting on the discs. And right above, there is a, a spider web that was like intricately created by this wonderful little spider. And in this picture, you really do get the image of this person is just into their own design and into their own. I'm going to do the best work I can and I'm really going to focus on it and become one with it. And I think that what you said is sort of. Um, almost countercultural, but like very much the answer that if we're talking Mm -hmm. about rejection, you know, what we sort of want to do is say, oh, poor thing, tut, tut, like somebody loves you, everybody's worthy. And that's all true. But also, you know, if you're having a hard time with something, maybe you need to make improvements. Now that sounds harsh, but it's totally true.
0: I I love where you're going with this. I'm looking down. One of the cards I pulled to to guide the episode was uh, four of cups came out, and that the four of cups, as I'm looking at it, makes me think of what you're saying in terms of sometimes you have to, you need to change, you need to work because I feel like this is a representation of maybe the consequences of not working, either on your fear of rejection or healing from any sort of like rejection based trauma that you might have because you know once you once you experience being rejected by someone or a group of people or or whatever, you want to do whatever you can to not experience that pain again. And so it becomes this like, double edged sword you're protecting yourself you know you're sitting under this tree with your arms crossed not accepting anything and you're also hurting yourself in the in the process because you know you're just sitting there looking at these you know three cups that it maybe is a representation of, of exclusion or rejection but you're also ignoring or avoiding this cup that's being offered to you because you're too scared to accept it because you might get hurt again, which now you're isolating, which brings up a whole other host of ramifications. So you saying sometimes you have to look at what's happening and, and take responsibility and accountability for what you're going to do after the rejection. Sure, maybe you didn't have any any sort of responsibility in being rejected. Sometimes we're just not someone's cup of tea and that's fine. But what
1: are you going to do now? Absolutely. I mean that's insane, boy. How many sessions have I done about that? Right, I'm sure you too. Like that is, like, therapy is such an interesting thing to go into. You know, like I was thinking about this the other day. Like, it's common practice when you go to therapy that you fill out a ton of paperwork in the beginning, and part of the paperwork is this thing called informed consent, and part of informed consent typically includes a statement that says something like this basically this is going to hurt that says yeah. this is going <laughs> to bring stuff up this is going to be challenging and this is going to sometimes be really uncomfortable so you know buckle up and you know mm. in my practice i try really hard to do that as lovingly and as gently and like sometimes with yeah. like a lot of humor but that moment of saying what are you doing You know, like, okay, so the girl was mean to you in eighth grade and you're 35 and -hmm. you're still living in that. How is, is is that working for you? Does, is that, it's become true because you've made it true. There was one thing that happened and you've generalized it to your entire experience of the world. I want to go to seven of cups with this because I Mm -hmm. think that when you're dealing with somebody who's dealing with um, perceived rejection, um, who has, of course, experienced rejection too, because yes, we all have, but who's sort of living in that place. We see this got a lot with dating. I also see it a lot with job hunts that people develop really intense stories around what the other people are thinking or what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's a lot of the work that we do in therapy of sort of saying like, we don't actually know that that's true. And that's a story you're telling yourself really honestly, because you're scared of actual hurt, but you're suffering a line you use like you're suffering twice here. You're suffering multiple times because you're Mm -hmm. living in this place of rejection in your own mind over and over and over again. You are hurting yourself rather than risk letting somebody else out there hurt you?
0: I mean, I have a million things to say. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm sitting here listening to you going, yes, yes. Um, Two of the cards I pulled were the star reverse and temperance reverse. And I feel like those fit nicely into what you're describing right now, Mm -hmm. because I feel like both of these cards um, represent the damage that rejection has on us and and that we can also continue to perpetuate. So looking at the star reversed, I feel like, you know, God, how destabilizing. And I feel like when we experience rejection, it does Make us question who we are, how we are experienced in the world or our peers or the people around us, and then reverse temperance rejection also has been shown to to damage the way um, we feel about ourselves and also the way we present ourselves, so like our our mood our 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 temperament. Um, and you're suggesting, you know, if we experience these rejections and then we don't do any sort of work around them, that becomes our narrative. And, you know, there, there is some research out there that actually says that is exactly what happens, Mm -hmm. especially in early childhood. You know, if we experience rejection from our family or from our peers early on, you know, our brains aren't developed enough to be able to, um, you know, (laughs) process and sort through this information to know that it doesn't have to define us. And unfortunately it does end up defining us, especially when we have, you know, repeated rejections, um, early on in our life. And this might be a good time to actually go into some nerdy brain stuff because one of the cards I pulled was 10 of swords, which I was really excited that that came out (laughs) because there are (laughs) some really fantastic studies out there. Um, where researchers have have looked at rejection um, from a neurobiological approach and, and looked at how rejection is processed in the brain and how it affects our brain and there was one study that used an fMRI and and had participants think about, a time that they were actually rejected, and found that the, the activity in the brain that was displayed was the same type of activity that's displayed when we experience physical pain. Mm. So, talk about mm. like real Ten of Swords. And I, I think. This is so important to keep in mind. And I know for me, especially as a clinician, because, um, you know, from a diagnostic perspective, there are several diagnoses that have incredible sensitivity to rejection. You know, the, I think, borderline personality disorder, um, ADHD, social anxiety. And, you know, we might look at how some someone with one of these uh, diagnoses, experiences rejection and say, wow, they're, they're really overreacting, like get your shit together. Um, but knowing what we know now about how the brain responds to rejection as, as if we're really experiencing physical, physical pain, I feel like it allows us to look these reactions to re- rejection maybe a little bit differently because, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for someone with BPD to be so emotional mm-hmm to rejection that they say something like, I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, I mean, I've had BPD clients writhing in pain, like in the middle of my floor in my office mm-hmm. because of a fear of rejection or a perceived rejection, not even an actual rejection. And when you see something like that, when you're not someone who understands that on on a personal level, it can be jarring because it's like, oh my God, this person is literally like they look like they're dying on my floor right now. Like this seems yeah. a little excessive, but now when, you know, with this brain research, it's like, Oh no, they are, their brain cannot tell the difference. They are actually processing this as a physical pain. And I mean, that's a really, uh, you know, extravagant example, but we might also see something like this with, people who have ADHD, Uh, people with ADHD often have rejection sensitive dysphoria and people with social anxiety, but it's not as extreme. So, you know, have you, I mean, I'm sure you've done this or experienced it or seen someone has, I know I have, you know, if I'm experiencing a bit of social anxiety, I will like physically wince. <laughs> <if> I, <laughs> I feel like I've experienced some sort of perceived rejection. You know, you might like, you know, your eye might close a little bit like, Ooh, like they're not including me in this conversation right now. This hurts. Um, so I, I feel like this 10 of swords is such a good example of, um, How painful rejection can be, and how when it's processed as physical pain in in our brain, it does make rewriting that narrative a little bit more difficult. So you do have a few more hoops you have to jump through. You just said
1: so many things. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I want to talk I was about like, went off. Of. <laughs> There's so many things I want to talk about. I, I, I kind of want like, I guess I'm going to begin with a yes. And it's really important that you said what you said about, about it, the experience of physical pain. Yeah. I've had somebody on my floor too. Um, (laughs) and and it is, it's jarring. And, and I will also acknowledge that in not in the therapy office, but in real life, when you're dealing with somebody who's behaving that way, it's really frustrating. Because it is a little bit like, hey, like want to experience rejection? Keep making this about you and all about you. I mean, it really doesn't help. But at the same time, having some compassion around, wow, that is actually how you're experiencing it, like actual pain. It does give us a different lens and it's an important one. Yes. And what is also true, a card that I pulled a moment ago is King of Cups. What is also Um. true is um a mental a mental disorder or a mental illness is nobody's fault but it is right. a person's responsibility to say wow i am having an incredibly strong reaction to this right now yes. this feels like i'm dying this feels somebody said something really similar to me recently it was interesting um yeah. and i i being able to say it but then when somebody said something very interesting to me recently that person is doing their work and was able to have me say back, yeah, I get that. It really feels that way for you. And yes. and just because it feels that way, that's not entirely the reality. And it's all of our responsibility to kind of have that check-in moment around, all right, it can feel awful, but I need to be able to separate King of Cups this, my feeling out of the reality of it and be able to take some responsibility. We're back to eight of discs here, eight of pentacles, take some responsibility yeah. for what is it that I'm trying to craft and not just lean into this moment of, well, I've got all these swords in my back. It's 10 of swords. And it's so funny. Oh, listen to how I'm going to loop this around. You began with reverse star and I was like, let's talk about that. And then there was so many other things, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to loop it back. I'm so proud. Um, it's so funny. Cause I just posted, today, you haven't seen it yet. I posted about the sword or the star card and it's going to come up as we're recording. And oh, awesome. one thing I was talking about in the post was that the star card comes directly after the tower. And we've been talking right. about the tower a lot.
0: Oh my God, right? so much.
1: And I mean, I, I take a lot of hope in this, that right after tower comes the star and it's this moment of clarity. And it's this moment mm-hmm. of The rubble is here at my feet and the smoke is starting to clear and the stars are coming out and now I can begin to see again and get back in balance again. But the trick to this is you have to be willing to open your eyes. You have to be willing to look up and look at the stars and say, okay, where am I going? And it's not clear. The stars can navigate us, but they don't always tell us what the journey is going to be like. But that is where personal choice comes in of saying, what direction do I want to go? I have an enormous hurt. I have an enormous pain. I, I had a feeling of my own death here, Yeah. but what am I going to do about it? I have to look up and keep going.
0: You, oh, you're so right. I, I think that this can also uh, go back to our, our last episode about overwhelm, because I think that can be incredibly overwhelming for people. And they think, well, what am I supposed to do? And it's actually really interesting. As you were talking about the star, my reverse star is sitting right next to the five of cups, which, yeah. you know, I think is a great mm-hmm. card to bring up right now too, because this person is only looking at these three cups that that have been spilled over. And what you're saying is it, you have the opportunity to, to take control of this narrative now and say, yes, I've lost these three cups. This hurt really bad. Mm-hmm. This was a ten of swords moment for me and then it turned into something that I felt like it was the tower and then I was completely destabilized and I didn't understand who I was or what I should be or if I was ever going to be accepted. And to remember that your your life isn't over. These these two cups still exist and you can figure out what it looks like moving forward and it you don't have to have everything figured out like all at once. But you have to give yourself the opportunity to say what am I willing to try now? Because you know, this goes back to how you mentioned, I, I tend to always say, you know, don't suffer twice if you don't have mm-hmm. to. I feel like you could be stuck in this five of cups moment of just looking at what you've lost. And in that case, you've taken one m- moment or maybe a couple moments of rejection. And and like you said, when you opened the episode, um, turn them into your story. Yeah. And then that's, can, that's giving up your power. That's saying this experience gets to define me. And I think that one of the most magical parts of being human on this earth is being able to decide what you want your story to look like. Sure, we can't control everything that happens to us, but this goes back to dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, Mm -hmm. which we talk about all the time and radical acceptance and the wise mind and saying, okay, this is what happened. What am I going to do right now? We might not be able to control another rejection that comes up, but we can say, okay, this happened. What am I going to do next? you always have the option to, to make that next step forward. You can choose to just keep looking down at these three cups, or you can say, well, let me turn around real quick and look at these other two.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like, I I love (laughs) that. This feels good. Remember I always said this was going to feel good. This feels good (laughs) Um, because there's power here. And it's so funny. Like looking now at five of cups and 10 of swords right next to each other. I don't know. I'm having an interesting moment. I I think it's interesting that 10 of sword, that um, the use of swords here. In Ten of Swords, um, because swords, th- you know, they can represent a lot of different things, but I always kind of go to swords really represent thought, is sort of my mm-hmm. go to. And how much of that Ten of Swords, these ten swords in our back, really could be a question of my own thinking stabbing me in my own back?
0: Oh, without a doubt. Right? How
1: much of that is like my own decision of a story I was going to tell myself? Whether it was a pleasant story, everything's going to be great. Or like kind of a story filled with hubris, of course, I'm going to get the job. Or a story of rejection. Well, that happened in eighth grade, and so it's going to happen again. How often are we doing this to ourselves? And I think that that's echoed very much in this Five of Cups, the way you were talking about it. One is about thoughts. One is about feelings. Oh, this is my, I'm going to pay attention to these feelings rather than these feelings. And I'm going to let these thoughts stab me in the back this is also, can I just say, this is what I spend most of my time doing. Like I would say in any given day, I probably spend about three hours in that space. I don't like the fact that that's true about me, but I'm a human being. And that's true Mm -hmm. about me. I make the choice to constantly try to come out of that space. And to constantly try to adjust my thinking and get back on the path and to become the fool again and say, okay, this is what it is that happened. I'm moving on and I'm going to have faith that everything's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, I'll find another way. But that is daily practice. And I think so many of my clients don't realize how much work that is. And they kind of think that they're supposed to just feel better all the time without realizing wow, and back to eight of discs, but this is work. This is the work of being a human being.
0: I mean, you say something that I have to reiterate often. And like you said earlier, you know, you experiencing this too, we have to remind ourselves this. I mean, there, there is no immediate cure. Like there, I tell people all the time, like, there isn't, especially when you come to therapy, it's not, okay, six sessions and you're great. It's here are the skills. We're going to work on them together in a space that, that is safe for you to do so. And then you have to try and use these also on your own. And they are something that you're going to have to use every single day the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll be easier. Sometimes it'll be more difficult, Um, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, it's, it's so funny. I have a friend who just, she, she's an an artist and um, a musician, and she literally just released um, a new song yesterday because she struggles with this and she named her song stupid, useless loser. (laughs) And, but it's a song making fun of her, her brain and these thought patterns. And I thought it was such a brilliant way to, to try and heal from this because it is, you know, and it's what a universal, you know, to make a song about this that people are going to hear too is so cool because it does, you know, like you said in the beginning too, we need to normalize this. You're, you're not alone in this. And, you know, you brought up eight of pentacles. Another card that I pulled was eight of cups. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're, they're both they can play with each other right now because i'm looking at this eight of cups and i love how this person's kind of walking away because <laughs> oh actually this is funny uh do you remember the MySpace days? <laughs>
1: sure. Yeah, I was in that weird and zone of I wasn't in it, but I watched people being in it. Yes. And there was that MySpace
0: top eight. I yeah. feel like <laughs> <Yes>. this <that laughs> eight of cups is in the MySpace
1: top eight.
0: And, you know, oh my God, what, I feel like that was social media's like first real, um, like exposure to social like rejection on a large scale. Absolutely. If you weren't in someone's top 8, it was you know almost more painful or maybe equivalent to before social media days of not having, you know, a seat at the lunch table. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're all having to like vie for the, the this attention to be perceived as valuable enough to be in someone's top eight. But I love that this person's walking away from that that narrative and that idea. It's like, ooh, that doesn't serve me. This is not a good space to be. This is still a part of my story. Those eight cups are still stacked up, but um, it's not a good place for me to just stand here and stare at them because I'm not growing by doing so. I'm staying stagnant. And I think that's the opposite of, you know, what we do as therapists and what the whole point of life is, is to get to this point of self-actualization of climbing those mountains and growing and learning about ourselves in the world. And we cannot do that if we just stare at our rejections and our failures and the criticisms that we've received and feel like that's, that's all we have because it isn't.
1: Kind of gets so complicated here, doesn't it? Because we go back to where we began of talking about how we're tribal animals, talking about how we crave the affection and approval of other people. Here's the thing. Also, I mean, I'm pulling three of cups because I think that like, here's the irony is that like, we are hurt by other people's rejections. And yet one way to really improve that feeling is to work on yourself. Let's eight of eight of discs this, but also three of cups being able to sort of say, I'm going to try again and let the acceptance and the love of other people or having the triumph of connection, letting that be healing too. I mean, it's kind of both. We have to heal ourselves and eight of cups things and say, this is not good for me. Like I'm going to sit outside instead of trying to find a lunch table. Okay, great but ultimately sitting outside isn't the answer. Sitting outside and inviting a friend to come and join you is the answer. And so, I mean, we just keep looping around on this over and over and over again. We have a relationship or something and we get rejected and then we get better independently and then we join up with others. And then of course there is a risk of this happening again. Okay.
0: I think you're exactly right. And I, I look at this eight of cups as, you know not even necessarily going and and sitting on your own or, or or working. I mean, it is working on yourself, but you know, I tell people all the time, like the best thing you can do for yourself in this, this circumstance of experiencing rejection is seeking out places where you do belong, even though that is difficult. So it's this, it's this card, this, you know, walking away and, and climbing this mountain to find people who will accept you and and find a place that that does feel welcoming, whether it's three of cups and, and even three of pentacles, because I feel like we can mm-hmm. work on ourselves mm-hmm. um, at the same time that we begin new relationships with other people. You know, that goes back to this huge misconception that that people tend to say, oh, you can't Um, love anyone else until you love yourself. I think that's bullshit. I think people teach us how to love ourselves and, and we learn that we are allowed to be loved by experiencing camaraderie and putting ourselves in situations where we are accepted and, and, and valued.
1: So I think this is, you know, yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah, I, I thank you for saying that, by the way, of like, you have to love yourself first. I, I, I take issue with that line too, because like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I also think that it's a little bit of a yes. And, you know, right. if you were actively hating on yourself right. and like, and kind of like rolling around in that, like a dog and some goose poop, that's a very yeah. vivid image from my past. Or chicken, or chicken, right. chicken poo in your, your case. <laughs> you know, if that's where you are, like, yeah, that's what's going to, like, you do need to work on a little bit of self love. But yeah, like, getting it from other people does help. And that's the irony of all this is that we can't do it alone. One thing that just happened that I just think is wild is I cut the deck. And I was like, let me just grab a card and see out of the deck and see what I pull. And two cards came out, you know, as it does. It's Ace of Swords and 10 of Swords. Ah, uh, yes, which is just this is what happens when I have like three decks working. <laughs> is that I can have 10 of swords all <laughs> over the place. I think that that is so interesting that to realize that this is so much of a cycle, one suit ends and it has to begin again, that we can have that 10 of swords moment and it's over. And what do we need? We need a new idea. We need to learn how to think about this differently. And this is really where this conversation becomes a conversation about therapy because therapy is all about learning how to think differently. And I have to say, this is a very frightening thing to do because if we start to think differently, there's a risk. What if I make a fool of myself? What if I convince myself that this is a good idea and then it actually isn't? What if I ruin other relationships? What if I get rejected? It's scary and it's brave and it's hard, but it's well worth it. I like the questions that you're
0: asking because in therapy, when someone asks us those questions, well, what if, you know, mm-hmm. I screw up? What if I get rejected? Our question back is, well, what if you don't? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where, you know, therapy helps so much because, Sure, you can do some of this work on your own, but you know, when you are in therapy, you um you have a trained clinician who knows how to, you know, delicately navigate these often really complicated and intricate um, narrative landscapes that we have created in our minds that often we have created, you know, all these like obstacles and roadblocks. So people can't undo them mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we have, you know, we can often exist in conf- what's called like confirmation bias. We want to find reasons that our thoughts are real and you know, therapists do what they can to, um, kind of knock those down and help you see things a little bit more clearly, um, you know, one of the, I feel like we're getting into, you know, how do you cope with and heal from rejection now, which I'm, I'm glad we're kind of heading in that direction because something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that judgment and criticism is something that exists really strongly with rejection. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's judgment of ourselves and judgment of others. And this is something that i I talk about in therapy a lot is, you know, people who people, at least who I see that tend to be struggling with fear of rejection or healing from rejection or criticism, they also tend to be highly critical of others or yes. they've come from a highly critical and judgmental background. Mm-hmm. So that's where practicing compassion and empathy for others actually helps you feel more compassionate and empathetic for yourself. So uh, this is, I tend to give examples for people like that they can do every single day. This is really practical advice you know, if you're someone who's driving and, you know, maybe someone is driving really slow in front of you, like on the interstate. And, you know, the first thing you want to do is like yell obscenities and be like, you know, speed the hell up or whatever. You're getting irritated. Uh, Coming up with an alternate reason, that person might be driving slow. So my example that I tend to always give is, well, maybe they have really intense driving anxiety and they're just doing their best to get to their destination. Suddenly, you feel a little bit calmer. Maybe you feel bad for this person. You're not yelling obscenities. You're not judging them. You're not rejecting them. And you get over, go around them and go about your day and you don't feel bad. So the more you practice that for other people, the more you're going to be able to practice that for yourself. And then those narratives that develop when people do reject you don't become the main story.
1: I love what you just said, like so much. And I've this is a great example of like an ace of swords of Mm -hmm. a new idea that like is going to be very challenging. I mean, this is what you just said is exactly right. Somebody who has a lot of fear of rejection and of judgment and of shame, typically they sort of put that outward. And when you change your world by becoming the person who is compassionate, it's astounding how much compassion you start to Feel that you are receiving now. Yeah. Like maybe it was always there and you didn't notice, or maybe you actually changed it. We don't know, but to ask a client or to ask yourself, am I willing to risk this? What if I like all the, what ifs? Well, yeah, but what if it actually does work? As you said, like that, that's an incredible part Of the human journey. And that again is the fool's journey of being willing to say, I'm going to take it another step and sort of see if I can make this one better. But man, like that was like the best advice that you could have possibly given. And it's really, really hard advice to follow. Right. Well, I mean, and you know,
0: I think that, you know, if you're listening and this is something that you struggle with, you can take that example and say, okay, how can I break that down into a more manageable chunk for me? You know, maybe maybe there's some other example that you can use in your life where it's just one small thing that you can change. Because I think that's something you know, that we experience too. You know, people often come in. I you know I am guilty of this as well as I want like an immediate change and I want it to be a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want this like this grand reveal and everything's different. Um, but that's not reality. And so I think it's, you know, getting more realistic with your expectations and then knowing it, I feel like it goes back to like eight of cups too. It took maybe of if- took a while, eight of cups and eight of pentacles to, you know, get those eight pentacles out. And it took a while to get these eight cups stacked. Um, you have to be patient. Nothing's going to happen overnight, but as you stack these cups, you'll build and build and build. And I think that's, you know, the moral of this story too, is it's not just, okay, here's one thing that you do, it's done and over with, and now you're going to heal from rejection. It's, constant work, constant effort, and constantly building your internal world and your internal strength and in your narrative. It's, it's never, your story is never done. Thank you so much for listening to the tarot diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the tarot diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.